Hello, everybody, and welcome to Dancer Thoughts DSA's podcast. Uh, we have a very special guest today. Uh, welcome, Tempest. Say hello to the public. Hey. <laughs> uh, my name is Tempest. What's up? <laughs> awesome, awesome. She is a UH alum. Uh, and then, of course, we have our officers, um, Daniel. Hi. Veronica. Hey. And Kaylin. Hey. Okay, cool. So today we are going to talk about uh, identity and kind of uh, your self-image, basically. And so the first kind of question I have is, how do you feel identity and one's sense of self affects their art or their art making process? Yeah, it's kind of a loaded question. I mean, it's it's not really a loaded question. I, it's, it's a question that's very open to a lot of answers. Mm -hmm. um, I think, hmm. I think I it's think interesting I, because like identity can take so many different kind of ways, you know, um, mm. your gender, uh, your race, you know, your upbringing, um, so many things can contribute to it. Yeah, that's definitely a good point. Um, and especially now um, as a freelance artist, um, you need to really know at least some things that you want to um, identify with or or work with or you know like the things that you want to get into and that requires you to delve into yourself you know um, so I it's not it's not really super important it's always nice to be very open um, and, you know, forgiving of yourself that you will be a changing being that, you know, you don't have to fit or tick a box. Um, although, you know, um, there are different types of things that you'll get into that you might have to tick a box, you know, mm -hmm. um, especially now that people want to fund um, Black, Indigenous, people of color, you know, and you say, oh, I'm that. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, it might be otherwise complicated if you don't want to make that a forefront of, you know, I'm an African-American Black dancer. And if you don't really want to be seen that way, then that might, you know, potentially have problems with who you're working with and what type of things you're getting into. Right. So I think it's, you know, really up to you to go into wherever you would like and be okay with that changing. <laughs> that makes any sense. <laughs> yeah, totally. Like, I think when you're working with other people, they can have this sort of expectation of who you are and who you are as an artist and like assume this is the kind of art you're gonna make or expect some kind of something specific like that. Yeah, and definitely um, I do that to myself, you know? I'm like, oh, you know, I have no 
Spanish culture, why would I learn flamenco? But I would like to, <laughs> you know, um, things like that where I, I feel like I'm othering myself because of what I am and how I identify as a, as a dancer, as an artist. Um, so, you know, trying to tell myself don't do that. <laughs> right. It's it's kind of like it's like a double-edged sword. Like you want to have a strong identity when you're making a piece, but you don't want to put yourself in a box. Yeah, definitely. Because once you put yourself in a box, it's really hard to get out mm -hmm. um, in other people's eyes or minds. You know. So. Yeah, I think um, definitely. Like other people, like you said, they will try to look at you and be like, "Okay, they're that one thing." But for me, I always try to go back to that place mentally of you can be more than one thing, you know, like, um, especially you talked about like the black indigenous people of color thing, but um, that's one way that it could be like boxing you in or like placing you into this little thing. But while you may be that you're also a whole bunch of other things. Um, and I think for me, and like, I know a lot of other queer people can relate to this is that they're like oh like that's the queer artist or like that's the queer person that's a gay person like um that's the extent of their artwork but you like you said tempest you said um like that's kind of just like an ingredient maybe like in who you are not necessarily at the forefront of like what you want to represent all the time it might be but it doesn't have to be and oh, oh go ahead go ahead <laughs> yeah, i was just gonna chime in and say like i think for me my my box that I take, I guess, is um, just the Latinx front. Well, and Daniel does too, um, and Kaylin. But I do, it, it is interesting for me, like, I am Latinx. I was born in Venezuela, but moved to the U.S. when I was three. So, like, my culture and social upbringing is American. Like, <laughs> it is completely United States. Um, so... I think it is interesting because you know this the second you say like oh I'm I'm Latinx and then everyone expects your work or your writing or your dancing or anything to be like oh about the Latinx struggle or immigration or anything you know and it's like what if I want to make a piece about circuses like <laughs> about flowers <laughs> um and I think it's interesting to um having like for me I've definitely faced a identity crisis I guess growing up um is you know I'm a I'm predominantly a modern dancer I trained in ballet and everything but but like I feel out of place going to a family gathering when everyone's dancing salsa like I, my mom's like get up and dance it's in your blood and I'm like I <laughs> grew up training modern dance I don't know how to salsa um so that might have been a bit of a tangent but you know it's it's kind of that that like double-edged sword like Mia said where it's like there's this expectation of you but no matter what your what box you tick you're a product of whatever circumstances you've actually lived in your life. No I was gonna say like the same thing for me like well I live 15 minutes away from the border from Mexico so I have people who like come up to me and starts like like it'll be like white people or something and they'll come up to me and start speaking Spanish or, like trying and I'm like 
I don't know Spanish. Like you could, we can talk in English, and then it's the opposite. It's never like in between. Or people who only speak to me in Spanish, and they're like, "You don't know Spanish? Like you look like you know Spanish." So it's all. It just depends on like that person how they feel that they should like speak to me. So I think the same thing. Just like identity, like it's all over the place. I don't even know. Yeah, and it's really weird because um, it's also like a uh, a trendy thing now to to tick that box, you know? Right. Like once get I the say, grant money, you know? Right. <laughs> Which is nice to get money, but you know when you're talking about um, when you're talking about other opportunities um, that you might have not involving a grant or something like that that's on paper um and you know i i've actually come across the the you know thing where after um the george floyd incident and then we started talking about um you know injustice and you know people are now suddenly like, hey, you know, you are African-American and we would love you to work with us, blah, blah, blah. And in this instance, it was something, it was a, it was a, I guess a company that I had already reached out to and they didn't reach out to me until they needed to meet a quota. Right. Terrible, <laughs> you know? So then it, it makes you sort of like, not wanting to verbally give a label to yourself because then you're like well now what am I getting myself into and mm -hmm. really think why you know I, I got this this and this or those opportunities so I mean not to overthink it like I have a whole bunch you know but also keep in mind that you know things like that happen and it is becoming you know more trendy to be a certain type of person but also i love how it's opened up you know that um education to be able to delve into my culture mm -hmm. i don't think i really ever delved into it as much as i did and at first i feel i felt like you know i couldn't identify as you know, my African culture, because I'm like, I'm, I'm not from Africa. And I feel like maybe like I would get some things wrong in my research of, you know, where I would want to get all this information from, which I'm sure is filtered and Eurocentric, but that's all I have the access to right now. <laughs> but, um, you know, I was feeling like, well, why can't I, you know, um, go down that path and and actually um, be okay with my African diaspora, you know, culture. And it was terrible that I would think that I was just like a, you know, just like a lost soul just floating around like, who am I? <laughs> you know? Um, so yeah, it's, it's that that weird struggle of who you are now and future things. Right. And then it's like, do you want to be that token person 
if it means you are allowed this opportunity yeah or you know it's just it's tricky yeah and some people are okay with that and yeah for sure yeah that's and that works like you get the job you got the job yeah you know? <laughs> like <laughs> you're getting the coin then that's okay but you know it's it's up to you what you find morally okay with you doing yeah and it's super interesting like on the like grounds of identity like we're all American like people you know and maybe we do have roots I mean actually like all of us do have like other um parts of the world other countries um but yeah that american experience is completely separate from the other experience in wherever those countries like places are like scattered across the world so wanting to find that out and like discover that um is difficult and it's like such a task to be this and still come from something else that maybe you don't fully understand and that's okay I um I remember it's interesting this really brings to mind um a, a, a few years ago or summer 2019 I was able to go to New York and do an intensive at the Gibney Dance Center um it was a four-week type of thing and just like a small cohort of dancers and there was people from the U.S. in my cohort and then there was um a guy from Germany and two girls from the Netherlands. Um, and I remember on like every Wednesday of the month, we would have kind of these creative work sessions with a, an instructor and she would kind of lead us through, um, it's a, it felt almost like an improv class with like Leslie, you know, kind of, <laughs> it, was, it was wonderful, um, but there was one point, there was one week where the the Tuesday before our Wednesday meeting, Tuesday night, the the dance center had done kind of, they'd done a, a, an improv jam in the evening and they'd hosted and it was a um, BIPOC improv jam, just like a safe space for people to get together, do improv and everything. And one of the girls from the Netherlands in my group had the day before said hey I'm so excited for the improv jam and I had told her and of course she's she's white from the Netherlands and I had told her I was like oh that's for like that's for BIPOC like or, or we had told her it was like I not that you're not welcome like I'm sure they would not turn you away but I it's a specific space and so she had come to the the meeting on Wednesday a little upset about that and it really it really opened up a discussion where we actually took up the whole class and we're just talking about like she didn't understand why and she felt excluded you know from a situation that was supposed to include a different group of people you know and we really narrowed it down to like it's such a cultural thing it's such a interesting cultural phenomenon that's so unique to the US or not just unique to the US, but it's, I feel like it's, it's emphasized so much more in the US of like, for her experience in the Netherlands, she, the way she said was she doesn't see color, you know, that's what she said. And I know we all kind of roll our eyes at that a little bit here, but um, 
<laughs> like a lot. <laughs> but you know, like that's just how she grew up is just she grew up seeing all people equally. But here that's obviously not the case. Um, what is like the kind of uh, demographic, kind, like what's the, is there a lot of um, diversity in the Netherlands? Like there's not. Um, so it was never really an issue that she had to address. There, she did. She does have some BIPOC friends, um, but as far as she knew, she grew up with like there was never really a race issue in the Netherlands, you know. And so she grew up, at least not in the recent history. So she grew up just know, like all people are treated the same. If you're my friend, you're my friend, you know. Um, so that was kind of. I just thought it was such a. It does create. We do have that that issue in the US where we're trying, we are preaching a message of equality and kind of, you know, um, a message of we all want to be equal, but at the same time, in order to do that, we have to highlight the groups that have been underprivileged. But the other side of the coin is like Tempest was saying, we end up creating these exclusionary groups by accident, you know? Mm -hmm. I think how I would think of it is not excluding, but just like, just, you know what they say, just, it's your time to listen. And, you know, you, you're saying that's never been an issue before, but you don't know how these people have felt all their lives. You don't know what their story is. So just take a moment and just listen and take a moment and just watch the improv, you know, <laughs> like. Yeah. That was kind of what the conversation led to was like, in when we had really, thankfully, like no one is like upset or anything. We really just had narrowed it down to like, this is a huge cultural difference, mm -hmm. you know. Um, but we had to, um, we, we let the BIPOC people in our group take over and be like, this is our history in this country like this is why things are like this in this country um but i think we were able to really get that point across to her of like these spaces are a time to listen and learn and as much as it's about knowing when to shine it's about also knowing when to step back right so i also want to say you know um as much as it is a, as about you know um, listening and learning. It's also about healing. You know, there are healing spaces and um, creating those spaces specifically for um, Black, Indigenous, people of color. The reason why they're needed is because those other spaces uh, are catered not for those people. And um, it's not necessarily exclusionary um, but it is needed for those spaces to be there. And um, I, I hope that, you know, the, your friend learned something while, while they were there because um, racism and injustice happens everywhere. You know, it's not like it doesn't exist there. I'm sure it does. And it might, you know, that opportunity might make them think a little bit more about, you know, what they have experienced or what they have seen or what they haven't seen and what they haven't been paying attention to. 
and what they think may or may not actually be a problem. Um, and I know that it happens more, you know, outwardly and um, brazen in the US, but it happens all over. Like there is no place in the world where it does not exist. Like I, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I wish that there was a place I would go there. <laughs> I've been searching for one, but there is no place where there is none ever. So um, I, I just wanna, I just wanted to say that <laughs> just in case no one ever thinks like they don't see color. Uh, and that, I think that statement there, um, I've, that statement came up um, recently when I was at my um, young audiences uh, lab um, for teaching artists and um, someone brought up, you know, how come we can't create a space where you know, we, we don't see color where it's just everyone is equal. And, you know, other people brought up that um, that does a disservice to kids because they are currently experiencing the same things that, you know, we, we think that are just gone or, you know, like, I don't think they're gone because I go through it like a lot, but you know, <laughs> um, it depends on who you're talking to, you know, they, they may not see that there's a problem or, you know, they, they just made it went over their head, you know, like, <laughs> um, and, you know, um, it, it does re a real disservice not to examine what's happened and how to change it and how to move forward and I don't know it, it's it's kind of like honoring the people that have already gone through it even worse um I I honestly don't say even worse people are still getting killed um you know like there's nothing worse than that tortured I I don't know <laughs> um and it's um it's a really big thing to bring it into the dance world because we typically do want to say, I, I, I don't see color like that person's cool, you know, but there are those places and those spaces where um, people are, you might see it as favoritism, you know, or you might see it as, you know, that, that person's just a teacher's pet or, you know, that person is just really good friends with them or whatever. Um, or, you know, they, they just might be really good or my, I just might have to work a little harder and that might be so, but it also might be, you know, the latter. So, um, I hope that person learned something from this, the space because there's, that should be open to everyone, but that also should be a safe space for the IPOCs. Um, but it, it also should be a time to like heal. Yeah. Think, um, no, yeah, that, that makes a, a lot of sense. I think, um, thankfully by the end of the conversation that we did have with them, um, it really was like eye opening for them because she, she, at the end of the day said, like, I learned 
a lot and it really did change her perspective about how she analyzed a lot of her friendships at home you know and like you said there is a certain point of like does it really not exist where you live or do you just not see it you know because of your position yeah I'm glad they learned a lot though that's great you know it's always good to hear that somebody learns a lot (laughs) it's such a big lesson to learn too and I think um obviously you have to acknowledge that specifically in the United States um, like this country is built on colonization and conquest of indigenous people and um bringing in people like slaves from other countries um it just has a very like rough abrasive history and because of that history the effects um that have resulted because of that um are like this disparity in opportunities and this um altered perspective of what um is important and who gets more opportunities or who needs opportunities and yes like we don't um have slaves right now at this point in our history but be- but even like leaving outside of slavery and moving into the civil rights movement and further and further and further that, um, which is all like recent history. Um, I think it's naive to think that the effects of that don't still linger in the sociocultural infrastructure of the United States. Actually, there are still slaves, believe it or not. There are still slaves. Um, you just probably wouldn't see it in the same way that you would pass see slaves as, um, but there are still slaves out there and it's crazy. It's insane. And, you know, like, I don't know that it just, it all, it all brings a full circle of, um, you know, how, how I'm navigating life, you know? I think one question I've been really thinking about is, especially with the greater discussion in the nation about this topic, is what is really our goal, you know? Because I feel like if you ask most people like, well, what's the goal? Most people are like, we just all wanna be equal. But like, I think, yes, in theory, and, but at the end of the day, it's like, equality really, really does diminish a lot of the things that we do celebrate about our different cultures, you know, so it's like, do we want to refine or specify that goal a bit more, you know, we want to be equal and celebrate everyone's differences, you know, it's a bit contradictory, but I think we need to voice what we want to see what we really want to see right that that's the argument I've always had for like I don't see color and it's like I want to see color like I want to celebrate everyone's differences and just be aware of it because if we're colorblind then we're ignorant definitely yeah and back to that I think I think people can they they don't understand the difference between like equality and people who say like, oh, I don't see color. 
with, and they confuse that with just like respecting other people like not necessarily everybody needs to be equal but let everyone have their differences but like mind your business like respect everybody and I think that's that's just what people get confused with and then that's an argument start and that's when everything like goes downhill from there bringing it back to like art um Becky had a guest a speaker from the library come in and she asked this question. It was like, do artists um, have a responsibility to um, just convey these messages or I mean, be political really? Like, do we have a responsibility to include that in our work? And I thought it was a really interesting question. Um, the consensus was we were all just like, it, you don't have to, if you don't want to, it's your freedom to choose. Uh, but, but I don't know, it kind of got me thinking. So what are your thoughts on that? Um, I mean, I would say no. <laughs> you do not have a responsibility to be any sort of political. Although um, nowadays, you know, with the pandemic and everyone working through social media and the internet now, um, they do want to see your views and stances so that they know who they're following, whose art they're supporting. You know, they treat it kind of like being a influencer um, where they, they want to know the, the ins and outs of people's lives so that they know who you know, they're, they're supporting. So, I mean, you definitely don't have to, you can create an environment where like none of that exists. Um, I think the only thing that I would say about that is um, how you're treating people if you're working collaboratively, you know, in that sort of sense, not necessarily like I voted for Biden, you know, like not that, <laughs> but um, um, more so like how, how are you, how are you treating the people that you're working with and um, if there is no sort of political um, tone about your work, then, you know, you probably should make sure that there is none although people can read through the lines however they wish because art is interpretive but <laughs> you know um i guess just keeping it um how you are presenting it like what is what is your mission what is your you know what are you saying about your art and how are you conveying it you should probably write a little blurb about <laughs> you know <laughs> or maybe an emoji i don't know <laughs> i think i think it, it it's an interesting question because i i mean you know there's always the 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 argument of like well you have a platform um but i really like what tempest was saying about social media and we all have a platform now you know it's not just artists it's businessmen it's business women it's all of the above service workers anything um so like I think if it's like 
if it's true to you, like if if these political topics or if the, or I hate using the word political because they're not like political topics. Right. I, I don't know like the word, but like that a message or kind of like yeah. a social. Yeah, like the, the human topics that we talk about right now, current events. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, but if these, um, yeah, I guess let's say social issues, social topics um, are true to you, your experience in life and like you want to let that shine through your art, like by all means, you know, but even and even if they are true to your life, but you don't want your art to go in that direction, like there's outlets, like put it online if you want, but like there's no responsibility for you to put it on stage, you know? Um, and I don't think there's a responsibility for artists to talk about it in specifically, but rather for all of us to talk about it in our own way that we communicate. Period. And you know, there's definitely like a huge, just to piggyback on what you said, Veronica, there's like a huge almost expectation now that this is like at such the forefront of the conversation for you to have a stance and to have an opinion and to voice that opinion. But the reality is sometimes you can just say like, I don't know, I'm gonna listen and I'm gonna learn. And that should be enough. You know, you don't have to voice like everything it because then nothing gets done. You know, you need to listen sometimes. I think that's an interesting point too, is that it's almost like, especially like nowadays, like if celebrities don't speak up about a stance, they're like, why are you silent? Justin Timberlake hasn't said anything about this issue. And then they start like hunting him down, like say something and they're like, I don't wanna. Um, <laughs> but you know, I think it, it's it's hard because yeah, there is an expectation that you take a stance and then if, or if you're, it's, it's almost created a hierarchy where like if you don't take a stance or if you don't portray these issues in your in your art, then it's kind of cast off to the side, you know? It's like, oh, it's just abstract, itty ditsy art, you know? It's like meaningless. Yeah, definitely, especially with grants. I'm over here struggling because I'm like, you know, I don't really have the motivation to create like a political work, although I was a part of Tony's political mm -hmm. work, but like me creating it personally, I'm not on that level right now. So if I wanted to create something fun, it wouldn't be funded because <laughs> they're not really looking to fund looking for it right now. So I'm that's like I'm like, oh, I don't know what to do. But um, yeah, definitely. And it's really funny because um, oh man, I forgot what I was going to say. Go ahead, Mia. Sorry. Um. Another another funny thing is that like in class, Becky kind of started going off on a tangent and was like, you know, everything we do is a political stance, you know, how we've been raised. So every move is just, just a reflection of the life we've lived. So like, everything is political, really. And we're just like, that <laughs> and it was like not the question at all but oh man like I could at this point I think I could read everything 
I can read into everything. Like I can right. go into like one of those wormholes about everything. <laughs> Honestly, I can be like, wow, everything is political. Yeah. <laughs> um, so where were we? Tempest, do you wanted to say something? I guess if you weren't already going into the that sort of um, realm of identity yet, um, I kind of just wanted to, well, okay. So um, being a little selfish and talking about what's been wrong with me, but, <laughs> um, but um, now, especially like when I was, in school with you all and I was like yeah like I'm good I feel like I'm in a good place right now you know <laughs> like I figured out you know um my body and those limits and how far I can push myself and creatively like I could make anything you know very comfortable and then you know graduating and um, trying to find a, a space in the dance community. Um, it's been really, really weird, you know. Um, it's been at a, yeah, also during the pandemic, yeah. <laughs> that changed things drastically. I was like, wow, all of my plans have like gone out the window. I have to rethink everything, which was partially, you know, Part of that whole midlife crisis, you know, I'm not in midlife yet, but you know, um, <laughs> I'm not going to age myself. Um, so, you know, I had to say, how do I title myself? What is my identity as my title? Like, yeah, I can consider myself a professional dancer now, but, you know, um, how do I create those titles for myself who's giving me those titles and you know how do I get to the next step in in what I decide I want to do um that's been a weird little uh I guess place where I've been trying to figure out um ultimately you know you can call yourself anything like for example a teacher you know, I could say I'm a dance teacher um, or I'm a, you know, I, I'm a dance teacher, um, but, you know, you've taken, you've probably taken one of those classes where someone hasn't taught what they're teaching very well, you know, and you're thinking, how did they get that title? <laughs> and they're like, you're just thinking like, you know, not to be judgy, but they really don't, I don't think they mastered what they're teaching or they don't, haven't done enough research to be able to present what they're teaching. And that gets me in a little bit of an anxiety moment where like, when am I comfortable to be able to give myself that title? Because I don't want to be that person where someone comes out of whatever I'm doing, whether it be a teaching position or, a, you know, like a, another type of position where they're like wow how did that person get there in a negative way <laughs> you know so that's been a weird little 
thing where that I think um, connects to confidence in myself, you know? So weird moment there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I think definitely a big part about um, not just being a professional, but being an, like an artist specifically is believing in the validity in like what you have to say, believing that, yes, I am qualified. I have a message and I'm going to do it. I'm going to share it. Um, it's like such a huge part. Um, but yeah, it's really nuanced and it goes even into like the human experience. I know personally for me, like something that I've been questioning about my identity, like recently, like super recently is gender. Um, I like growing up as a queer, like little boy, um, I like all of my friends were girls, all of them. So I would feel excluded from them or like I didn't all the way fit into that social standard. Um, and then whenever I was with the boys, cause I'm a male, um, <laughs> I also like didn't fully fit in there. So, um, I think it's important to be open with yourself in every regard in terms of, um, ethnicity, race, gender, um, the labels that you give yourself and to know that you can be more than one thing and to really have confidence exploring um, whether that's just um, you continuing to be yourself and reframing the way that you think about yourself, yeah. if that makes sense. Um, I think one of my favorite things that I love, do, it's weird, I like, I, whenever I find like a new artist or person or politician or anything that I really start to admire, I will always do like a Google search about just like their Wikipedia page, just like their background, their upbringing, their path, you know, because um, I think it's really cool to just read behind the circumstances surrounding their lives. Um, but it's also like, you know how when you Google a person, their like little bio will pop up from Wikipedia on like the Google search and it has like all their titles in the first line. I think one of my favorite moments is when I Google a person and it they have like 12 titles and they're older, you know? So it's like, you could almost kind of see the progression of their lives where it's like this person started out as an actor and now they're singer, producer, record player, writer, researcher, psychoanalyst, like, <laughs> judge. you know, <laughs> yeah, judge, politician. <laughs> but I, yeah. I think it's cool to like, see those people that have allowed themselves to delve into all those different areas. Um, and and disciplines and and then there's like activists thrown in there too and then you start reading into everything that they advocate for and um sorry that's a bit of a tangent but it, it made me think of it like the idea of allowing yourself to evolve and your titles to evolve with you and to take on different titles I guess yeah. and that does and that it doesn't mean you have to let go of the previous ones yeah. that part right there you know like for me, I mean, you all have known me for like some time now. I recently like started coming more into like my masculinity. And it's kind of something that I've had to really embrace from like a childhood of like oppressing masculinity and being afraid of like masculine figures as someone who's like naturally more feminine. Um, 
And it's scary in a way because I do feel very masculine right now, but also very much myself. And that's scary to think that maybe I didn't know myself as well as I thought I did. And I think that could be said for a lot of like different aspects about yourself as a person. And for me, the hardest part or the most, um, I guess, taxing part about that is acknowledging that change and then letting myself be comfortable in knowing that I'm still myself. You know, I haven't really changed. I'm just adding to what's there. I'm not taking anything away. Letting that, it's hard letting that go, you know? It's, it's hard letting yourself change. Like you would think that it's a good thing, but sometimes it feels like you're betraying yourself. You know, like I said I was this and you're not letting go of it. That's really hard to do, you know? And also on, on the side note of that, if there are any even like financial things holding you back from, you know, getting you to your goal of, you know, who you want to be or who you are and you know what you want to do and you're setting yourself up for, you know, doing whatever it is you want to do or who you want to be. Um, that's also really stressful to have to think about that as well, you know, but yeah. <laughs> Definitely. I feel like there's a there's a pressure that when you start learning and exploring something new, it's like, well, two things on that. First of all, is like, and like you said, that feeling of betraying yourself of to, like, it's okay to step away and try something new. That doesn't mean that you've completely lost the title you were previously on. Like, just because you stopped playing music for a little bit to try dance or poetry or art or anything or doesn't mean that you're no longer a musician like that skill set is still with you um and the other thing was that the idea that just because you try something new um or explore a different part of yourself means that you have to have a title that comes with it like starts taking dance classes like are you do I have to go as far as to be a dancer or can I just be a person who dances you know and I think that that really comes across really harsh I agree um in when you're trying to apply for a job and they want you to title yourself and they want to see certain things and if they don't see certain things that they would like, even if you have the skill set, they will throw your resume out and say, oh, you know, on paper, they're just not, they're just not it when you probably could have been it, you know? And um, I think that's the real, I think workplace, uh, workforce, I don't know, culture, where, you know, they think that they can analyze someone on a paper. And then you're stressing out to yourself, trying to, um, trying to, um, you know, make you, make yourself seem as perfect as possible on paper. 
and saying, what did I leave out? You know, what skills are they looking for? Um, who do I have to be in order to get this job? Which doesn't necessarily encompass all of you, but you know, I, I went through it personally where I had to, you know, take out a whole section of like my work history or, you know, um, a set of skills so that, you know, I can look a little bit more technical because right. I do that, but, you know, I am an artist, but they don't want to see the artist. Right. Um, and I think recently that's why I made the decision um, to try and get into those fields, but in the dance community, you know, and that was a really weird jump for, you know, I need a job to pay my student loans. So I'm going to have to switch it up real quick because, you know, dancers don't make a lot of money, <laughs> unfortunately which is a whole other tangent, which they should, um, you know, um, and what can I do? Like, what else can I pull out of my hat to be able to, you know, um, be stable for my family and myself, you know? And um, that's really, it's really hard to have to pick and choose and to kind of have to change yourself in order to seem like you qualify, you know, uh -huh. want anything added. They just want to see if you're qualified or not based on the criteria that they provided, which sometimes isn't even the criteria that they want because they get like, I don't know if you guys know, they get like generic, um, uh, like generic little things that they say, you know, like, three to five years of Microsoft whatever experience and like, you know, like that's, that's okay. But you know, when you get into like the nitty gritty, like detailed stuff that they want, most of the time it's like they copied and pasted it. And then sometimes the job doesn't even require those things or, yeah. you know, it's just like, it's all over the place. It depends on who you're applying to and it's weird. <laughs> I think, like, even for myself, because um, I had a really kind of rocky um, path uh, in college. Like, I started off as an English major and um, a dance minor, of course, but dance was always my focus. Like I started my first year just doing core classes and my dance classes, um, which they're like, you, you shouldn't even do that until your second semester or whatever. And I was like, no, I want to start now. Um, and then I did a 180 and went to the business school when I was like, I don't know, like a sophomore, like the end of my sophomore year. Um, and that was especially weird because the business corporate world is so different from the dance world. Um, and Mary, she's always like, there's like a side of you I don't even know. And like, she's my best friend, you know? Um, but it's just weird because 
because like as an artist, you kind of have to split yourself because you can't just live off of dancing unless you're, you know, principal ballerina. And even them, they still may have a part-time job, you know? So I think we're in a weird position where we kind of automatically have to have two or more identities, which can be challenging. Um, but you can also like learn to accept these and blend them together. Yeah. Most of the time I feel like people will try to blend them together because it makes them a little bit more, you know, um, fulfilled in what they want to do. Um, but yeah, no, you're telling me like I started out graphic design and then I went to, um, <laughs> I went from graphic design to, um, um, technology innovation. And then, um, I went back to graphic design Then I went to sculpture <laughs> oh my gosh, the paperwork sounds awful on that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, there was, there were other problems with that. Um, it wasn't that I had like lost my identity. It was uh, other issues where I had um, problems with the professors and things like that. Um, going along the lines of, you know, injustice and things. Um, but, you know, um, I had problems with that. So I had to keep trying to find somewhere that I could graduate, you know? Um, and then I was also recovering from um, chronic illness. And, you know, that never goes away, but it was so chronic that it was affecting my mobility um, to even walk, you know? So I was doing that and then I, had always wanted to do dance. I had tried one dance class in uh, community college, but I couldn't finish because that's when the illness started. <laughs> and then I was like, okay, I think I can try dance again because I can, you know, I'm, I'm okay, sort of a little bit sometimes. So I took that as like a rehab of sorts, mm -hmm. um, strengthen my body. And then I was like, I knew I was going to love it, but I really love it. <laughs> and um, really, you know, being in, switching to dance was, you know, some might say like that was terrible career wise or, you know, but it, it wasn't really because this is the field that I'm actually flourishing the most in um, now. And I am a part of an amazing community that I had not seen in any other fields that I had explored in. Um, and it, it makes me happy and I feel good doing it. So that was probably the best choice. <laughs> yeah, as much as I want to say, oh, I need other skills or else, you know, I won't be able to pay my bills, which may partially be true, but you know, I'm happy what I'm doing and I'm getting it done, you know? <laughs> yeah, and just to go back off of what you were saying with like, like for me personally, I'm applying for grad schools and I'm applying to three different grad schools 
and the personal statement and like the resume and stuff I did actually change my resume for every application like I I didn't even realize that that was something that could be like not necessarily wrong but like the fact that that has to happen like after doing my research for all the schools it's the same personal uh, statement questions but it's three completely different papers so is it like am I three different people and once I choose a school do I become that person like fully committed like it's just I didn't, I never realized it until like you said something now and now that I'm realizing it I'm like wow I didn't even know that I was in this position like it's happening so that's just crazy yeah definitely they will they will look for different types of people and you know those they have the right to do that and say you know we're we're different for different people but you know that is a dilemma for you where you're like oh I got a deep like I have to dig in deep to a different you know like vessel of myself to try and see how I'm fitting what they're asking you know and uh I mean that's that's great that you can go to to grad school and stuff that's amazing I think you know like that's great to have the opportunity like had I had that opportunity I would have I'm so in debt that I can't. <laughs> I was like really heartbroken that I couldn't. I was, I had everything ready. Like I was ready to get into like indigenous dance and I had a whole, you know, research plan and stuff like that. Although I can do that independently. Maybe yeah, I could find a grant or something. I was actually talking to Michelle Reyes about it the other day. I was like, man, I don't know how to get this done. And she was like, just look for a grant. I'm like, this is genius. <laughs> but amazing. That's so great. Um, and how did like, when you were doing all those three applications and you said you just realized it now, but did it make you feel a certain type of way um, while you were doing them or I mean, besides stressed, or, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely stressed. But I think um, I'm not sure because honestly, right now I'm realizing that that happens to me and also that it could it's not necessarily a problem, but it could be seen as one. So I think I was just thinking to myself, like, like, this is normal. This happens. It's it's just wherever I go I mean I did my research okay perfect I'll be this person for this university and I'll be this person for this one so I don't I didn't even at the time I didn't even realize that that's different or that I'm sure that happens to a lot of people but the fact that that is something that does happen that's just was there one that you were like I don't really have to change much was there one that you had um, yeah, I did uh, put some of my like personal like, who I think like I am into each one just because you know how sometimes they're like, we don't want you to be perfect. We want you to be yourself. But sometimes you don't know if that's true. or if They just say that. But I think for most of them, um, I'm I was comfortable enough to like completely finish the application. So I think we're okay for now. Hey, that's great. <laughs> um. I just wanted to ask one more question, um, kind of going into your experiences after graduating and you're with Dance Source Houston, which is so cool. Like, 
would you like to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, um, so I'm uh, an ambassador for Dance Source Houston. Um, it was supposed to be just for the, I guess you could call it the winter season um, <laughs> until December. Um, but they extended it and they wanted us to, to stay. Um, and it's it's been amazing. Um, they really make it a, a safe space to be able to talk about a lot of things, um, which is great. And if you guys don't already know, they have um, their little community calls that they do. Um, you can RSVP and it's really just like a Zoom meeting to, you know, get in, get into touch with everyone who wants to be on it. And then they, you know, talk about wherever the conversation guides them. Um, but they're really, really, really open. They're really safe um, to be able to talk about a lot of controversial things, um, to be able to talk about, you know, the community. Um, it gives me the chance to connect to the community in a way that I really didn't think that I was going to. <laughs> but it's nice to know that they, you know, gave me a chance in a sort of kind of a platform or position to be able to um, represent what I know and how I can help the dance community. Cause you know, there are things that we need to elevate in the greater Houston area for dance. So um, that's always really, really amazing. and. Um, I don't know, I, I met a lot of amazing people and through that um, I'm working as an administrative assistant for Dance Africana. She is also, uh, Lindsay Gary, she's also um, one of the ambassadors and she's amazing. She does so much, I don't know how she handles it all. <laughs> but um, I don't know, I, I, I've been connecting to a lot of different people um, through that and um, really getting into a sort of, I wouldn't label myself as an activist at, a, at all, but you know, um, it gives me that ability to be able to um, give a perspective that maybe, you know, other people haven't thought of and we're all parts of different um, communities of people and that's what they were saying when when you know um, they were selecting candidates that um, just so happens that you know we had all encompassed maybe a few people that we know but for the most part you know we've we reach a lot of different types of people which is amazing and we've talked about a lot of good things and um hopefully you know we can get some more things in place to be able to um give the dancers in houston um, more information because they give a lot of information about everything they have um uh, physical therapy wellness that they set up that um, they are wanting people to sign up for because they have so many open spaces. And I feel like, you know, 
um, we're trying to create a way to for people to go because dancers do need, you know, care and it's free and um, you don't need health insurance, which I think is what deters people. They're like, oh, I don't have health insurance. <laughs> you know, I can't go. Um, I mean, besides pandemic and they don't want to go there, but it's it's, you know, they made it as safe as possible. Um, so, You're listening. Go yeah. to <laughs> Get some physical therapy in. Um, and, um, you know, they have their, I believe it's called Wellness, Wellness Wednesdays. And they also have, you know, those classes where they have people who are helping meditate or yoga or um, talk through difficult times um, and um, they have information about grants and job opportunities and um, I think we're trying to work on um, maybe like a mentor list possibly and you know all of those things so um, I would definitely check out their their website and see in their Instagram and Facebook. <laughs> um, very for, cool. You know, information about everything, but it's been amazing. They're very helpful with whatever I may, you know, have problems with even just like personally, I know I was telling Molly that, you know, I really want to look for work internationally because that's what I want to do. Um, and she was like, yeah, I have someone that, you know, you can talk to and, you know, it's, it's been amazing. And yeah. <laughs> hey, yeah. so happy for you. <laughs> well, I think that about wraps it up. If anyone has any, you know, last remarks, go check out Dance Source Houston for resources. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Tempest for being our guest today. Thank you for having me. I feel amazing being able to talk to you all and yay. <laughs>